I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Ellis from London, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question today is, would you prefer a lifetime supply of cake or a lifetime supply of pastries? Okay, here comes the show. And remember question everything hello everybody welcome to dame baptiste questions everything a podcast with myself comedian writer and occasional actor dame baptiste my producer friend howard cohen aka the hizza hello pose the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from we are talking everything from ellis from london's question What would you prefer, a lifetime supply of cake or a lifetime supply of pastries? Dane, I'm going pastries because more variety. Uh, And in pastries, I think I can include the uh, cheese and bacon turnover that I'm partial to. So that's an answer from from me, Alice. What about you, Dane? It's a good good choice. I would have initially gone for pastries as well for the same reason, the variety and just Mm. the seasonal viability of pastries. I feel like, you know, it's not like... If you serve a cake like for breakfast, so, yeah, it's, it's where does muffin everywhere. muffin come? Muffins a cake. Well, is, the thing, is, is a muffin a cake though? It does get yes, quite yes, because muffin. Then... Yeah, Americans have tricked us to believe that a muffin isn't a cake. It is very much a cake. Man, because with cake, with cake, you get far more variety because you get things like urinal cake. You get rice cake, salt <laughs> cake. <laughs> right, I was, that's what I was thinking. Rice cake, salt cake, a cake of salt. Yeah, so you get a lot more cake. Right, you get a lot more cake variety yeah. as well. Uh, you also get, what was it called? Yellow cake, which is like enriched uranium ore as well. Yes! So there's a lot more... You, more can make, <laughs> you can make depleted uranium shells for firing into it, Iraqi it, tanks. Yeah, right amount of yellow cake. So, okay, so there's a lot going for cake as well, but I still like those cheese and bacon turnovers, so I'm sticking with pastries. No, pastries no, is a good choice as well. You've got your pan of chocolate and mm. all the rest of it. And, oh, uh, yeah. But then, Ooh. are pies included in pastries? I would include a, a, a kind of like steak bakey kind of pie uh, in a in a you know I think that counts for a pastry. So yeah. hotly debated, Ellis. Listen, well done. Um, if you want to get back in contact and tell us if what defines a pastry, that would be useful. But um, suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? We absolutely do. No question is too big, too small, too asinine, too highbrow or too funny or too sad and if you do enjoy the, enjoy the show please rate and review it on iTunes or catch us on Spotify where you never miss an episode or subscribe to us on Acast the world's largest podcast network where you could never miss an episode and hear all the questions from our very special guests with that being said today's guest is a political comedian and writer he was Scottish comedian of the year in 2017 2018 and the UK pun champion in 2015 he has written for shows including breaking the news mock the week and the mass report he's also the co-creator of sellout show hate and live which is improvising comedians hating on audience suggestions and finally he is running for Scottish parliament for Lawrence Fox's reclaim party in the Glasgow Pollock constituency please welcome to the show Mr Leo Curse. hello thanks for having me Welcome. Welcome, welcome. How's it going, Leo? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm running, uh, yeah, I'm doing all the campaigning. We've all got a month till um, till, the, till the vote. It's on the same date as the London mayoral vote. Uh, so, so I'm doing loads of political campaigning. What I've discovered is politics is really boring and complicated. good findings good findings and everything's everything's weighted to everything's weighted to preserve the incumbency of the existing parties is what i found as well starting a new party like it's it's very hard to to break in and get through all this sort of uh get over all the hoops I know you don't get over hoops, you get through hoops, but I do things differently. You know what I mean? I get over hoops and I go through hurdles. That's what politics means, Leo. That's what politics means. Someone thinking outside the box. Someone who's not even using a box. A person that's using a crate and they're wearing that crate on their head. That's what this is. This what the politics industry needs, Leo. So it could be possible a welcome addition. Leo, have you got like a slogan that you're, you're doing for your campaign? Or? Yeah, uh, okay. free, free Scotland. 
Reclaim Free Scotland Reclaim your freedom Reclaim Glasgow Nice Because I'm, I'm running I'm a, I'm a single issue uh, candidate I'm running against uh, Against Hamza Youssef So he's the SNP's justice minister He's brought through this hate crime bill uh, which makes comedy illegal. It criminalises private conversations in people's homes. It's a ridiculous piece of legislation. Uh, like literally, you can't. Like in, in Scotland, it's technically an offence to call someone a tosser because uh, that's uh, like <laughs> autosexuality is a recognised sexuality. Now that's somebody who's attracted to themselves and has sex with themselves. So if you call someone a tosser, you're discriminating <laughs> against them based on their sexuality. But you're not really, you're not really discriminating. I mean, I discriminate against them. It's more of a pejorative term. And well, also, yeah, yeah, it depends mocking what, them. But it depends, what, it depends what they're doing. I mean, you know, obviously we understand that consent is never going to be an issue with an autosexual. But at the same time, <laughs> by the merit of them being an autosexual, I don't want to be within the personal space when they've been able to embrace their sexuality. Now, the <laughs> yeah. thing is, if we are attributing this to a recognised sexuality of all sexuality, then how do we distinguish autosexuality from, let's say, narcissism? Mm. I think it's part, it's, part of the same, it's part of the same thing. I mean, if you're, if you're in love with yourself so much, you're going to have sex with yourself, as opposed to, you know, I think most people, when they uh, have sex with themselves, it's more of a sort of, uh, just, just a, a release. It's not because we love ourselves, it's because... You know, we sort of, you know, it's fun. I think sometimes people masturbate when they hate themselves, to be fair. Um, I was <laughs> yeah. about to chime in there. I was about to chime in there. Howard's <laughs> <laughs> right there. Oh, we're not hate <laughs> <laughs> All right, Howard, you have the floor. Uh, Finally, your subject. Finally, a question for Howard alone. <laughs> well, if people want to hear about hate wanks, I've just got a new podcast starting called Hate Wanks. Um, no, I, have, I haven't actually. Um, I would argue a large part of the uh, patronage and following of, mo- of the pornography industry is largely people that engage in like hate wanks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or engage yeah. in wanks and then experience hate afterwards. Like everyone's had post ejaculatory <laughs> shame. You know, this yeah. is where incels really yeah. come from. It's like for those, you know, incels are somebody who feels ashamed after masturbating, but you know, it's yeah. the lady's fault. We understand. Well, listen, oh, well listeners. Listeners, if you uh, are suffering from any of these problems, uh, hashtag hate wanks. Don't um, call it suffering, Howard. Caught... Don't call it suffering. <laughs> if you, oh, it's, you know. If you want to live your truth as an autosexual, okay, good, yeah. then uh, you are free to do so. Whether, you're, whether we are all going to be on board for a pride parade for that nature, I'm not too sure. Yeah, Odds that's are, fine. I, I imagine the logistical nightmare of getting a bunch of autosexuals to organise like a, a jack-off parade would be... Mm. Wouldn't get anything done, really. I don't imagine how how how, in, how industrious are autosexuals typically? Because I feel like <laughs> my productivity tends to suffer if I ever, you know. Yeah. How can I put this, Leo? Leo, I am what would people refer to as autosexual curious on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> so I may, you know, engage in some autosexual eroticism every now and again, but you know, never knew there was a group out there that could, you know be there for us. So I've learned something new, to, new already. So, Dane, uh, with that being said, it's probably time for a question, uh, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. So, uh, Leo, is our very esteemed guest, we welcome you to ask a question, whichever kind of question you'd like, uh, which we'd love to discuss for about 15 minutes or some change. Then how do we do the same? And we'll have a quick talk about Howard's question. Then lather, rinse, repeat. I'll ask the final question to you, which we can discuss for 15 minutes and change. And when it's all said and done, we can let our amazing listeners know where they can find out more about your stuff and for potential support of your current campaign. How does that sound? That sounds great. Cool, cool. Well, then the floor is yours to ask the first question, please. Well, my question is, uh, why are people so happy to have overbearing governments with authoritarian rules such as the policing bill, the hate crime bill, the lockdown restrictions, vaccine passports, etc.? Everybody seems to be, I mean, not everybody, but a huge swathe of the population, the majority of the population seems to be happy with, uh, with all these restrictions and having their, their sort of basic human rights of freedom to assemble, freedom to travel, freedom to associate with who they want, having all these uh, human rights taken off them. It's a great question. It's a very good question. What, what's inspiring this question from you, Leo, and kind of where are you standing on it at this current time in history? Well, I'm just surprised to see it happen. I mean, throughout, you know, I, I was born in the, let's just say the, the mid-80s, and like, you know, I grew up, you know, during the, during the 90s, uh, you know, the 80s and the 90s when everybody was pushing for, for freedom and individual rights and, uh, you know, equality and, and tolerance and things like that. And now it feels like we've sort of, we've rolled back and, you know, on a, on a sort of world scale, um, you know, we always thought that undemocratic countries, um, you know, the countries throughout the Middle East um, and, and China, they'd move towards democracy, they'd move towards freedom and individual rights. And instead, 
it looks like the opposite is happening. Like China's definitely not becoming more democratic. And in the West, <laughs> in the West, we're giving up. We're giving up our, our human rights, and you know we don't seem to be in a hurry to to get them back. I mean, there's a lot of people, um, you know, protesting against COVID restrictions, protesting against the policing bill. Uh, but there's other there's other legislation coming through that that people seem to be happy with, and even even the policing bill, which is which is terrible legislation, and the hate crime bill in Scotland, most people seem to be happy with it. They're like, yeah, like fine, let's let's. Um, Let's start policing my, my opinions, and you know, obviously, we've got Alexa mm. and Siri listening in my house uh, to give a live feed to the government if they want to arrest anyone they want for being a dissident. It's uh, it's weird. I think we're we're sleepwalking into into dangerous uh, territory. What do you think, Dane? Where do you stand on this uh, this contentious issue? Um, I think we've kind of been on the way there anyway, man. So really, what we're seeing now, Leo, is like the precipitation of laws that began to be moved and uh, I guess wheels that were going into motion as far back as the Patriot Act when that was being brought into play where you know in most cases where people volunteer for their rights to be taken from them we had this whole fear and hysteria around Islamophobia and against uh, terrorism and once people feel very scared then they are a lot more inclined to give over their power to uh, a government or to a authoritarian institution for them to feel a lot more secure so I think even if I remember seeing loads of uh, newspaper articles and tabloids where there was a story about a guy who was climbed on a roof and uh, they wouldn't let him down and he refused to come down from a roof unless he was given a meal and it was in accordance with his uh, human rights, uh, with European law. And there were just numbers of different instances where like uh, people couldn't be deported because of European law. And there was this real indoctrination within British society where it was almost as if, well, we need to take away their human rights. And that began, I believe, to manifest in the form of Brexit, where some people are like, we need to move away from EU law so we can't we can protect ourselves from immigrant criminals and international criminals and screen them. And there can be and there was uh, and there can be some validity to those concerns, but people can always take them and subvert them and uh yeah, get away with literal murder. And I think we are at a point now where I think people are so desperate for some form of stability, especially given the last year that they're probably not even thinking so much about the uh, erosion of their uh, liberties because... Well, it's because they've, they've taken them for granted, right? For for years now, like our generation particularly, right, Dane? It's just like... Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. As I said, I, I too, like Leo, I, I was born in the mid-80s and, yeah, I, I can very much see a real change, particularly from people from my generation as well, where it's, it's that kind of I'm all right, Jack phrase. And I think because in the West people enjoy a certain level of comparative privilege compared to the rest of the world, what they see as that, I think people have become a lot more aware of that privilege, given a lot of the geopolitical shifts and the flux that we've seen. And so people are happy to enjoy that comparative um, privilege. And so people probably just think, well, we're, uh, we are prepared to sacrifice these small freedoms if we are allowed to maintain a certain level of prestige around the rest of the world. So I just think that's one of the reasons why. And like you said, Howard, I think it's for granted. I think most people, if their standard of living, as it's represented by access to the internet, access to food, access mm. to digital media, I think, you know, access to recreation. I think for most people in the West, if they're still able to access stuff like that, then they don't really care about erasure of their rights. You know, you look at how people behave over lockdown. Some people like, you know, had to, didn't break lockdown in order to see their family. They weren't breaking lockdown in order to protest or to, you know, reference their rights and their human and civil rights. People were broken curfew to go and see, you know, um, friends and go and have parties and go and, to restaurants. And, you know, people like Rita Ora having secret birthday parties. These aren't people I don't think, who are concerned with the erasure of their human and civil liberties. It's people that are still enjoying by relative, you know, uh, recreation and privilege. So I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why people have just been so easy to give stuff over is because we're still on lockdown. Most people don't even realise what they're going to lose until they come back out of it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of these rights, and I think it was a big part of speculation for most people, is that we have left lockdown with a lot less rights than we had when we went in. And I think particularly being having the right to protest being removed are following a pandemic, following a shared civil experience. Yeah. To be able to mm. try and take civil liberties is very, very, very fucking dodgy. When the civil liberties were taken away and people saw, you know, police enforcing protests, you know, so there'd be anti-lockdown protests and the police would go in and, uh, you know, arrest people and beat people up and stuff. 
So people just thought, oh, well, that's that's just you know, there's some fringe, you know, far right lunatics that are protesting for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, against lockdown and stuff. So I think they they saw it as something that would never affect them, and if it did, it would be like ten years down the line that they started, uh, you know, the police started yeah. stomping on uh, regular down, yeah. But then we saw we saw it with exactly. the Clapham that Clapham vigil. I mean, it was yeah. immediately. You know, it's, it's like a matter of weeks that uh, it takes for for the police to suddenly start. You know, boshing um, just you know middle class white women holding candles. But one of the things about it to me, Leo, is 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 you know you talk about engagement, right? That's kind of. I think part of the crux of this question is this kind of like, how can we all just be sitting by letting this shit happen? Yeah. And I think one of the problems is that if you say, take the example of protest, right? So we are going to protest about something. I think there's a load of people who think, well, what good does fucking protesting do? Yeah. Which we can come back to, right? And there's a load of people who think, well, uh, you know, you take away my right to protest, how will I change the world? Well, no offence to those people, but... I'm not quite sure how much protesting is changing the world. I think there are types of protests that can change the world. For example, I think almost every football team is going to give up social media, which will definitely fuck off the social media platforms and make them clamp down on racism. Why, that's why, an interesting form why of protest. Why do you think football teams are going to do that? So they've just started. It's happened. There's like three teams that have just done it. Oh, as really? The day of oh, recording. because of the racist and, abuse um, they've been getting on uh, on social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. So they're, 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 they're a few. I think there's a couple of teams who've already done it. And but anyway, my, my reason for bringing that up is just to say that there's an interesting protest that would work. Whereas, for example, the protests against Donald Trump visiting the UK. Yeah. No offense to all the people that went to that, and I know a lot of people who went to that. You didn't change a fucking thing. Now that's that's where the engagement with the what the point is of the protest, as in like, how can we improve our world probably still the crux of a lot of social and political conversations yeah are they really engaged on the right level well it's, the people even i think i think that is a part of the question for political impotence is that you know when i think what we've seen in terms of protests have supposed to be the manifestation of the extreme views that we see on social media and i think most people despite how they may postulate on social media don't have as extreme views in real life because most people by any stretch, if you're, especially if you're occupying the same land space, the same city or the same area, there's going to be a certain level of, uh, you're going to, there's going to be, be somewhat moderate in your platitudes in your daily life. Most people aren't necessarily that extreme in that, for example, I might have a lot of anti-conservative rhetoric, but it doesn't mean I'm going to go feral if I'm in the same green room as a conservative comedian, for example. <laughs> and there are going to be some platitudes which... Is that true, Leo, or is, he, or is he giving you shit? <laughs> is it, is it true, Leo? Yeah, he's, he's always, he throws the cans of coke around in the, in the green room, flipping over tables. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, is, it, is this enough deregulation for you? Have some American drinks! <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to watch that. Uh. Liberal with these fizzy drinks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I think, I think uh, Howard, just to, to follow the saying, I just, I just think that um, what the problem has been for people is because, as Leo said, it, that you, you see these extreme examples of, uh, of political um, assembly in the terms of like extreme right demonstrations or, you know, some people might <laughs> say uh, Antifa and BLM. And I think, press and media have focused on these extreme groups yeah. so much so that it's made everyone think that anybody that appears for any kind of political assembly and sometimes Howard I'll give you a saying like what good does it do sometimes pro, uh, pro, um, performative protest can be somewhat uh, useful if anything mm. it's because of the fact that as a social species human beings sometimes need to see other people sharing the same platitudes as them Completely agree. Yeah, no, completely. Completely. Even though there might not be an executive change or it might not be a catalyst for an immediate like, legislative change, yeah. sometimes just seeing other people thinking the way that you do yeah. can be empowering to a group of And people, I think it, so. it makes people sit up and, and notice things. I mean, the Black Lives Matter protests, if they hadn't happened, uh, you know, for all that yeah. I've, I've been critical of, you know, the, the rioting and the destruction of property, they definitely made people sit up and think, you know, this is serious and we need to, like, you know, re, we need to sort of recalibrate and pay attention to, to you know, how, we, how we're interacting with uh, people from different ethnicities and made people, you know, reassess themselves and their own personal, uh, their own personal actions and, and judgments and things like that. Yeah, that's just a conversation, as you said. And, I, and also, the thing is, the thing about the protest and, like, the right and stuff like that, like, I appreciate people that agree with it. There may be elements I agree with, elements I don't agree with. But I think this is that, that kind of helps towards answering the question is that we have to accept the ugly side of demonstration and protest 
if we're going yeah. to appeal to retain our uh, civil rights. So, you know, in the same way, that I like carnival, but I don't like the fact that when carnival's finished, <clears throat> there's bottles and litter strewn everywhere, mine, mounds of horse shit from the police being mounted <laughs> in there, stuff like that. So, you know, there's an ugly side to it as well. You yeah. know, there's the fallout of going to like a nice festival. I like going to the fringe, but then, you know, and I find it very strange as well, like a duality there, Leo, is that the fringe is largely patroned by people that consider themselves liberal. Yeah. But when it's done, it's a fucking ecolog- ecological and sustainability disaster. There are, there's, Flyers everywhere, like paper being wasted, posters going to waste all the time. Glitter. Food disposal, glitters everywhere. Like, and we don't know if that enters into, the, into the, how that, if that's biodegradable, if that enters into the water supply in Scotland. It goes in like, dolphins' you know, eyes. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It can, it can go in dolphins' eyes. I mean, they do rape, but that doesn't mean that we can presume that they deserve any kind of karma before they get a trial. Not all dolphins, by the way. Not all no, dolphins. Not all dolphins, just dolphins some do. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Just, just because you suspect, you know, some people do stuff, it doesn't give them an automatic death sentence. But, yeah, yeah I think I think it's... We have to accept the ugly that comes with protest as well. Like, I think if we're going to have a plain... Uh, a uh, play, a level, level playing field of free speech and the ability to write to protest and demonstrate, yeah. it means even someone like myself, I have to, you know, accept that if someone like National Action or Britain First or the EDL want and demonstrate, even as farcical or as nonsensical as I believe their narrative to be, they should have the right to protest. I think what has happened is because we see so much of the demonstration of the extremes in discourse on social media and the like, it makes all of us think that anyone that is a dissent or detracts from what we say is massively extreme. Yeah. And we just and we just seem to think that protest just comes down to just anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, and what's, what, what I find really uh, interesting is that, um, you know, the issues that should you know everybody should care about equally uh, get divided on le- left and right. So, um, so for ex- example, the policing bill protests in Bristol, which you know overall I support. I mean, I don't support you know stuff getting set on fire or whatever, but I support the protest and I think the policing bill is is terrible. As a right wing person, I, I support the protest against the policing bill, and I think it's terrible that frontline police are being forced to put their lives at risk defending it. Um, but a lot of a lot of sort of conservative people uh, see that as a as a bad protest, whereas the anti-lockdown protests are seen by conservatives as good protests and seen by the left as bad protests. When I think you know we should all be protesting against you know the the sort of the over overly officious lockdown rules, and we should all be protesting against the policing bill. Absolutely, and I think that that's the problem. There is that we in this in this in our um, pursuit of uh, positioning ourselves along political spectrums. Yeah. Like we've done it almost as musical chairs or if like, you know, the bipartisan eagle is like flying away, we have to sit ourselves on a wing before it goes. And and I think that's the problem <laughs> is that there was a time where, as I said, Leo and I may sit at what, are, you know, narratively may appear opposite ends of, a bi- of, a, of the bipartisan spectrum, but there is an intersectionality there which you don't get on social media because, and I keep referring back to it, is because, because now digital media and algorithm plays a big part in human consciousness now. Yeah. That works binary. It's zero and one. And so human beings are trying to contextualize themselves to saying zero and one. Yeah. And that's not always straightforward as that. And, you know, in the same way that, like, you know, even though some people have very extreme views when it comes to the fluidity of gender, there are lots of elements in terms of what the demonstration of masculinity and femininity are that aren't as rigid as gender. And that's what people fail to understand. Yeah. You can be a man with feminine traits. You can be a woman with masculine traits. And then, you know, within that spectrum of the secretion of your testosterone and estrogen, you will have a certain level of gender fluidity, which in itself is then going to be influenced by regional culture, depending on where you realize your gender and your sexuality and those customs. Yeah. And it's those conversations that we don't have anymore and, and are preventing us from being able to have conversations on a larger scale because human rights, irrespective of your political disposition, should be a given. Yeah. So if we're at a point now where we are so focused on arguments on more little nuanced things like, well, I think we should pay tax. Well, I don't think we should. Well, I think we should all be able to fucking eat. <laughs> I think we all should well be said. able to say how we feel. So I think, we, eat, I think we, eating food I is a privilege. Eating. eating food is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I got from that, from that, uh, from that, Dane, is that you, you sound like you're you're becoming more conservative. You're finally this is happening. Is you, I reckon, I reckon, ten years time you're going to be voting Tory. Oh God, I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes this podcast a special place, Leo, because because we we're we're into episode a hundred and something yeah. now, and you know some of the responses we get from our listener base and love to all our listeners, you know, that, that we, we realise that we are not serving one particular narrative. The dialogue and particularly the format, different questions 
facilitate Dane and me and the, our guests to have just some open dialogue that doesn't feel like we're trying to run along a particular tram line. I mean, that's the problem right now. And that, yeah. That's the thing as well, Howard, is that if my narrative may change and if my narrative does begin to border on a conservative, that could just be a part of my journey and just my, you know, for enlightenment, just as a person, as a human being. And that is open to change. I might say something and my people might be like, you are completely wrong, Dane. What I have to, what, I, what is important for human beings is to understand is that like artificial intelligence, you are open and you are able to upgrade. So you can... Re, you can recalibrate your software and your understanding of the world based on new stimulus and new updates and to changes to your environment. Just used to like, be called evolution. Exactly. Used to be called evolution. And, and, and it's so strange <laughs> that people that champion that so much are so rigid in their ideas and beliefs and not open to change and stuff. Because just on the subject of what Leo just said real quick is because he said about, you know, um, you know, I think that food should be, is a privilege and not a right. Like, you know, there, at first I was like, oh my God, but there's some validity to that in that I have recently, Howard, I'm sure you're aware of this, I've been called a fat phobe on this podcast twice. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't aware of that case. But at the same time, while I feel like access to food and nourishment within a developed country should be a right to anybody who is a part of uh, a nation that feeds into a tax base and provides municipal services, I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be feeding children. I know, but I also think that there, there is a quasi-fiscal and financial merit to that, that if you have a populace who have access to nourishment and a basic access to education... Those people can only, in turn, benefit mm. your economy and benefit your uh, infrastructure because they have the basic physiological needs um, satisfied so they can go out and do work and go forth and produce. Um, of course. But by the same token, you know, while I wouldn't want to stigmatise somebody for their appearance and their body shape, one of the reasons why a colloquial term like fat cats exists is because we knew that the fatness and the gout and the bulbous noses of, you know, politicians and the elite that enjoyed excess was represented by them having been being overweight. Not because yeah. I, I don't I don't think you know I'm a, I, I'm I like to think there is a distinction between you know the pathology behind compulsion and how eating disorders or body dysmorphia can come into that. But I think that's very distinct from the discussion about you know uh, allocation of resources and excess. Yeah, and so. well, I mean, what what it, what it taps into again and again is this sense that. There are these tram lines that people are just running down, and they're not able to. Well, people are scared, Howard, because thinking. remember, we are on the cusp of the unknown. This is this is the other thing as well, and I'd say to both of you guys as well. One of the reasons why, Leo, is because I think people just to more succinct answers why people are giving away these human rights is that I think humanity is very scared. I think we've reached the apex of the efficacy of the world as we live in exists, right? And I think we're we're about to be redrafting. The way the, the, we're going to redraft our social fabric globally. End of, think, end of an era. Yeah, end of end an of era. era. And I think a lot of people. We are, yeah, exactly. We're at the end of an era, and I think a lot of people are scared, um, Leo. So they're trying to hold on to these pre-existing systems, even if they become a lot more rigid and draconian, because they, the unknown is what scares them more. Yeah. But this um, this feeds into uh, my question for today, which uh, I'm going to. St- diverge into nice. and um leo you know that's that your question was was, was superb and, and and i think there may be a lot of our listeners who, who maybe you know um are kind of hear about you for the first time leo and maybe vote for you who knows but um uh your comedy definitely uh gets a response <laughs> would be my like th- there's a clip <laughs> there's a clip there's a clip of you um yeah, there's a clip of you that that um, you know we'll share it on our on our social media. Uh, the the one at the uh, backyard comedy night, yeah. um, which you may just want to kind of lightly, quickly describe for our listeners to know the kind of stuff that you oh, often talk about. On oh yes, yeah, so this is this is a night that I, I get criticised for doing. Basically, it's uh, well, D- Dane's done this night as well, but it's really fun. It's it's like a sort of free speech comedy night where comedians are encouraged to to not self-censor, because the majority of censorship isn't being imposed by external bodies. It's not people turning up with placards mm. and stuff. It's the comedian themselves saying, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe this is too much. So they encourage you to sort of have confidence in your ideas. You can come out and say, and, you know, they're, they're not just taking people from, you know, uh, conservative voices or whatever, people from, from all over, all over comedy. Um, and uh, you know, so you can do you can do material that really sort of pushes pushes the envelope. And a you bit did a more. you did a clip. You did a, you, you you. There was a clip that I saw Leo uh, that I was watching, and I, I told a joke part of a joke of it to my wife, uh, and she laughed. <laughs> my wife runs a sustainable environmental business, and she still <laughs> laughed at some of your material. The joke I used or I told her was um, not used by the way, just told uh, <laughs> was uh, was that that you said that you know all the the children in cages on the border of America. Yeah. 
Um, you couldn't quite understand why, why there was such an uproar because you thought that all children should be kept in cages, which, which given that my 10-month-old child is, is in, a, in a little pen in the corner of my living room as I tell <laughs> yeah. that story, really resonated with us. But the, the thing that I wanted to ask you and Dane is that obviously the, the thing that happens when you do that type of comedy is it gets a lot of people upset. Yeah. And my big question to you both is, what are the woke... The, the woke world, which I believe we need some of, but what are they getting wrong? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's the bit that I think we should address today. What are they doing wrong, Leo? Oh my God. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Because there's stuff they're doing right. There is stuff they're doing. I'm going to point that out just to begin with before we get annoyed. People are annoyed. There is stuff they are, that they are rightly fighting. Well, I don't know, I don't know uh, what they're what getting they right because, uh, I mean, it's certainly not, per- <laughs> certainly not personal grooming or anything like that. Um, no, wokeism, I mean, like they're, they're, getting, they're getting everything so, so wrong because wokeism, I mean, the, the essence of it is, is good. It's uh, you know it's being aware of social injustice and trying to make the world a better place. But I think everybody's trying to make the world a better place. Uh, you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, so they're going about it completely the wrong way. They're doing this sort of performative, uh, you know, social media posts that, that don't do anything. They're very divisive as well. They just uh, they sort of attack people instead of educating them. I mean, I, I grew up in, in rural Scotland, so you know there's a lot of. Uh, um, you know, opinions about uh, race and about uh, homosexuality and things like that that would be very unpopular in Islington in 2021. But the people saying them weren't like, they didn't mean to be hateful, they were just ignorant. And I think most, most sort of hate, most of the stuff that's seen as like hatred or intolerance is just stupidity and, and ignorance. And, you know, once people, I mean, one of my, one of my best mates, you know, he, he was, when he was a teenager, he was, he was racist. And, uh, but then he, you know, he, he got to like, you know, 19 or 20 and traveled, you know, he spent time uh, in Southeast Asia, spent, spent time in North Africa and came back completely different. He was, he just, he'd, hmm. he'd met people from, you know, all around the world and he'd seen that, you know, we're all pretty much the same. You know, obviously there's cultural differences and stuff, but we're all, you know, essentially, uh, we can, we can have, a, have a drink and have a laugh together. And uh, so I think, you know, most wokeism, woke, woke people treat, you know, uh, treat racism and all these issues as if, you know, the people doing it are evil and like you know any slight infraction of uh, of you know their their woke tenets, which change week to week, by the way. So I don't know how they can how they can treat it like it's it's so religiously pure. Any sort of minor infractions are are, are due to the person being inherently evil and they're a witch and they must be burnt. So uh, and also I feel like wokeism is just it's become you know we we became a secular society you know most most British people aren't religious anymore and I think that goes you know across the across the West religions sort of gone from our lives so wokeism replaces that it's got everything it's got the submission it's got the high priest telling you what to do it's got these these religious uh, tenets that that have to be followed mm. and it's got the the shame and the guilt and the punishment uh, it just it's like Catholicism but without the forgiveness. <laughs> but the thing that I can't, you know, like I'm like naturally a, a liberal guy, Leo. Although I don't even really know what that means as much as I used to. But I, I know, I know that 
that that that I believe in equality yeah. and I believe that there are elements of our society and our civilization that that don't seem fair and I want them to be fairer because I want the most people that can be happy to be happy because I think that's what ultimately I think most people deserve but as Dane and me talk about you know again and again there is something going on and it's gone on for the last decade or so and it's probably going to go on longer but it's really hit home this last decade on the on the left that just makes them feel repugnant in the way that they're approaching dialogue right Dane and we talked about this um, multiple times absolutely yeah and I think um, you know first of all it's the, the, the real issue I guess the tragedy of the colloquial term woke is that it's a culturally appropriated term that uh, used to have more of a reference to uh, pan-Africanism um, it, hmm. it stems from the fact that um, I guess the collective consciousness of the diaspora was considered to be ignorant and unenlightened so far as a ignorant to the plight that we were suffering ignorant to our historical trauma that has contributed to our current state, a social uh, state. <laughs> and so work really pertained to being able to do your own autonomous research and um, referencing in order to find out who you are and where you are from as a person. So the original purpose of the term woke was to, was to represent an awakening of consciousness as opposed to and that's a, a personal experience rather than one where, because it's not really about being woke. Woke is, what well, these guys aren't really woke, they're more wakers as in that like, they keep trying to roughly wake people out of their dreams and their illusions. And, you know, you referenced being happiness, Howard. I think they said the happiness, the definition being uh, reality minus expectation. Mm. And I think the problem with the neo-woke the neo -woke contingent is that they um, are, are unhappy. They had expectations and are not happy with reality. And so as a result of that, going around shaking everybody, being like, wake up, wake up. And people are like, I'm not even sleeping. I'm just resting here. What the hell is your problem? So I think the idea of being woke has been appropriated and, and the term itself, like feminist, has been subverted for commercial gain. I think you can always, particularly within a Western society, follow the money and see why wokeness is, is so wrong. So, for example, in terms of the recognition of the LGBT community by like Sainsbury's, for example, that does appear to be woke and you could say what they're doing there is wrong. And I'll say where they're going wrong there is that that might be performative solidarity with the LGBT community. But if Sainsbury's really wants to demonstrate solidarity, then it would be more inclined to maybe not lobby um, politicians that make any laws that are aggressive to the community or to make a concerted effort to educate its audiences or, um, you know, invest in providing opportunities for members of the LGBT community if they want to be that way themselves. Yeah, and, the, and Sainsbury's is an interesting one because they do a lot of performative wokeness. Uh, and, you know, for Black Lives Matter, they, they, were, they sort of put out this message that they were the only non-racist supermarket and, you know, other supermarkets were racist, which is ridiculous <laughs> considering... Well, it's ridiculous anyway, but also considering that Sainsbury's had an all-white all -white management board until, uh, until the Black Lives Matter their marketing campaign kicked in and then they like hired a token person for the management board it's ridiculous and also Sainsbury's are like their major investor is the Qatari royal family and it's like if you really care right, about exactly. LGBTQ rights wouldn't you like do but something go, to change right? the Cause, laws cause, in your own in Qatar but that taps into so many interesting elements of why I kind of you know, I, I look. I just let's just make it really clear for our listeners again. We fight <laughs> ignorance and prejudice on the right wing that we fundamentally disagree. If you're talking to do a you know a show fronted by a black guy and a Jewish guy, right? You, know, it's, you don't need, we shouldn't need to say that, but it's important just to remind. But no, people. we do need to say that, Howard, because you know you have people like uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, who's the Attorney General of the United States, and he is Republican. Mm. And then you have you know someone like Jared Kushner, who was married to Ivanka Trump. So you of know. Course. And, yeah, being and, a member of particular ethno-social groups doesn't predispose you to have certain views. So, you know, and, and that's the thing with being woke as well, is that there's sometimes a presumption that based on someone's aesthetic or archetype that they should hold particular views. And, mm. you know, that, that does play out, I would say, for example, when you see uh, pundits like Candice Owens uh, or mm. Stacey Dash. Uh, uh, but I think the, the best example of the, what, the, the, you know, kind of trying to encapsulate some of this woke kind of, what, we, what, what our issue is with wokeness is the players in the Premier League taking the knee as a matter of uh, they have to take the knee and that I I just find this I just find it despicable because you know and the idea that you know Wilfred Zaha who is a man who has probably experienced an infinite amount of racism on the football pitch and from the fans gets you know hold across the coals because he didn't want to take the knee anymore and it's like well, well and, and that's the thing is maybe maybe 
one of the quick ways you can say is that what the uh, woke or the woke left are doing wrong is that they are trying to employ the same tactics as the people that they uh, claim to lament because um, it's not for anyone who has not had the lived experience of Wilfred Zaha to show him how he's supposed to rationalise and respond to institutional racism. And it's a perfect example of what doing wrong is that you're trying to show some kind of performative solidarity rather than addressing the actual issue. So, yeah. you know, that's a, an example whereby they've... And, and, and I mean, in a way, like, and I'm sure, Leo, you appreciate the irony of being like, well, black man, you don't like racism. Well, do what we tell you to show us that you don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you see it. You know, for, 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 any, for any black person, I think, like, suggesting a knee or taking a knee in order to show equality as opposed to passivity doesn't really make sense anyway. <laughs> like, you know, people are like, I'm going to show I'm strong by bending over in front of my oppressor is not really... Well, and, 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 and to me, it also taps into, you know, you kind of, Leo mentioned the whole thing with um, Sainsbury's and uh, the Qatari family, right, uh, yeah. Leo? That's, um, you know, like, <laughs> I look at the way people are approaching kind of the ever. I want to make the world the best place it can be, right? So I'm trying to evolve it and I'm trying to protest and, and, and actively engage people to change their views that I feel are wrong. And it's like, well, well, how are you doing that? Well, I'm going to protest against the, the Trump family. Right. So you're telling me that in a country that a country that doesn't run your, you know, this is America. You live in the UK. You're going to spend your time protesting against Trump when, let's be honest, and it's so unfortunate reality that even what Trump did for how many years doesn't even come fucking close to what some other countries do in other regions of this world yeah. that it's probably just not as easy a narrative for them to get behind and that's where it, the woke kind of agenda does feel like a bit of a constructed slightly um kind of nonsensical is a bit harsh but like it doesn't have as much logic as it should let's see uh, howard howard wait wait that's very work howard you can say it's, it's nonsensical, Howard. Call it fucking well, nonsensical. I, I wanted to use. I wanted to say it's Ill, illogical because because lo- I, I try and base stuff on logic. Like for me, the logic of um, let's take climate change. The logic of climate change is that we're all dead unless we solve that problem. Yeah. Like that's pretty high up my agenda. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, I can see how like trans rights were ignored for decades. Okay, maybe I'm really ignorant about that and rightly you have made that higher up the agenda than perhaps I thought it needed to be. So that's why I'm trying to bring logic into it as opposed to just call them nonsense. Well, <laughs> there's a reason why the word exe- exists though, Howard. I think that's what we've forgotten. And it, that's one of the problems we're getting wrong, Howard, is uh, I think with the woke, is that we are getting rid of um, what we perceive to be negative nomenclature when sometimes some people are stupid and some people do talk nonsense. And I think we need to, there's a reason why and I always say this, the reason why aristocracy exists is because of democracy. That because everyone has an opinion and everyone would volunteer opinion without that being researched, at some point, the more enlightened people got together and like, we can't let everybody keep speaking at these town meetings. But we, we, had, we had aristocracy far before we had democracy. Well, I, 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 well, I can see, you can see why it's, it's, it's been starting to make a comeback then. Well, yeah, and mm. also under socialist regimes. I mean, so- socialism, even though it's supposed to be, you know, equality for everybody, within like a generation or two, it turns into a feudal system because everybody preserves, you know, the, the prime roles for their uh, for their family and their friends, and it becomes this, uh, you know, almost a criminal gangster network. Uh, so that's what you could see happening in the Soviet Union. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the only thing that really works is giving people autonomy and giving people uh, sort of equal opportunities. Uh, rather than trying to, I think the danger we've got now is where you know people are people think capitalism is is broken and it's not. It's working pretty well, and uh, people want to move to to some sort of uh, you know socialist utopia. Um, but I, I don't think that's I don't think that's ever going to work because as soon as you sort of structure things and have people being placed in roles and given money based on something other than you know what the market says. Uh, you're 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 going down the path that ends in in feudalism and nepotism. Yeah, it's a very good observation, and I am so delighted to have engaged both of you on this conversation. Even though we have you know the differing takes on it, and um, listeners, genuinely, I can speak for myself. I'm sure Dane, we want to hear from you on this subject. Like this is a big thing that you know. There's a lot of what the woke movement is about that we we actually do want to support, but we also want to try and understand what's going wrong. So. Um, so listen, get in contact, and uh, I'm going to hand it over to Dane uh, for the final question of today's show. 
Yes, uh, thank you very much. I think we've covered many things. Um, based on what we discussed just now, you know, some people would argue, and a large part, and I think this might be, and this is a narrative which I get more from the right and the alt-right rather than the woke, and it's about, right. you know, that performing artists, creatives, uh, comedians, which should stay out of politics. And it's surprising to see somebody who identifies as being a right-wing politically is now not only... Uh, opining on politics as but is now directly involved in politics uh, for the Glasgow Pollock seat um, for Glasgow Pollock uh, working alongside Lawrence Fox now I just want to find out um, <laughs> really <laughs> what uh, basically what do you think the benefit is as a comedian and a artist technically in being involved in politics uh, to be honest, I mean, financially, there aren't many uh, advantages. <laughs> you, you get you get cancelled. You get cancelled from everything. This happened to Claire Fox when she uh, when she ran for the Brexit party. Uh, certainly happening to to me now. Uh, I doubt I'll ever perform in Glasgow. I mean, and the, and the thing is, in Scotland, like comedy is in the pocket of the the ruling party. So the SNP own the biggest comedy clubs in Scotland. So the Stand in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, I, mean, I don't know if they're the biggest by number, but they're, they're certainly the biggest by uh, institution, if you know what I mean. And um, mm-hmm. so they're owned, they're owned by Tommy Shepard, who is a who's a millionaire SNP politician. And the, the bizarre thing is, like Scottish Scottish comedians, on the whole, think that I'm some sort of uh, you know establishment voice kowtowing to you know the the establishment but like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the only comedian who's like speaking out against the SNP who are the ruling party in like what's basically a one party state a banana republic with worse weather which is Scotland you know what I mean so so I mean financially it's going to be and reputationally it's going to be pretty uh, ruinous for me but I just think the uh, the hate crime bill is something I have to stand against. It's it's su- it's such an appalling bit of legislation. For the first time ever, it's criminalising private conversations in people's homes. People don't seem to realise that you know now everybody's got Alexa and stuff in, in their house. This is we're, this is like science fiction movie dystopia time. Yeah. You know the the government can literally listen to what you're saying and like anything you say, anything you say can be interpreted as uh, as you know some sort of it, it doesn't need to have any sort of basis in logic or anything uh, if somebody perceives it um, they can you know maliciously say oh I, I think that's racist and then um, and then you get even if the police investigate and uh, clear you of, of any wrongdoing and you know you go to court and the judge clears you of any wrongdoing um, it's still recorded as a non-crime hate incident and 120,000 of these have been handed out across the UK and that is wow. something that you, you can't clear it from your record um, and it, t- it turns up in any DBS check so that any future employer who does a DBS check on you will see, oh, he's got a non-crime hate incident for, for a homophobic, uh, you know, verbal assault, even though, you know, it was nothing. It was a joke, you know, that somebody misinterpreted or, you know, a misunderstanding. And then, then you can't get a job. So this is, and we're already seeing in America, um, conservative voices are being cancelled from, uh, from, from work. I mean, Lawrence was, was famously cancelled. Uh, you know, for for you know denying that you know white privilege was was all it was cracked up to be, um, and people are also being denied access to banking. I mean, uh, now just to interject, there is when you say cancelled, what, what was he cancelled from? Was he already enjoying an illustrious career in the creative industry prior to this? Oh yeah, Lawrence was Lawrence, Lawrence was was a very successful actor. Uh, he was in a lot. So he was, he was in that uh, the Lewis, the you know Inspector Morse spinoff. But he was also in a lot of. He's in you know White Lines on Netflix. He's in a lot of uh, movies. He worked you know he worked with like Rod, Robert Altman. All these uh, you know he was a very successful actor, uh, making a lot of money. Um, and he's been dropped by his agent and uh, you know we're seeing this and I'm hearing it from people that work in the media and work in the arts and it's, it's through other industries as well but in the arts in particular um, they're really afraid people are really afraid that you know they're going to they're going to be outed as, as uh, you know some sort of McCarthyist witch hunt as having voted for the Conservatives or having voted for Trump uh, so everybody's putting these performative things on, on Instagram being like, oh, yeah, go Biden, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then secretly saying to me, man, I voted for Trump. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, it's mad. And I think this is why we've got, who, this is why right when... Who, who, who are those people? Well, I'm not naming names. <laughs> I'm not naming names. <laughs> I mean, even, even the slot we did on Nihal's show, that was, uh, I mean, the, the guy sort of, you know, as soon as it, it came out, that I'm, you know, running for Reclaim Party. 
the guy uh, can't. But it's very, it's very hard to prove that you've been cancelled because you know people just say, oh, we're you know we're going to postpone it. We're we're not going to do it. You know, it's nothing to do with you, or you know, they, or they just don't book you. You know, uh, comedy clubs that used to book me don't book me. I haven't got worse at comedy. Um, so, so you know, we we sort of know why. Very few people have come out and said, "I'm not booking you anymore uh, because of your political opinions or whatever." Um, you know, they, just going to say as, a, as just going to say as a member of the diaspora, this used to be called being blacklisted. Now <laughs> it's happening to non-black people. <laughs> it's called being cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what's wrong this with is, it being this is the thing, everybody, everybody talks about you know equality and diversity, man. What, I want I want to see where are the where are the equality and diversity reps making sure that there's enough you know Brexit voters on each panel. You know. What yeah, I mean? I mean it should be. It, yeah, I mean you know even though I would not feel like I'd be particularly. Uh, uh, enthused about performing for a room full of Brexit voters, but I have done before because I've also done uh, Comedians Unleashed, and I thought it was a very good exercise. And uh, and it, and it, you know what? It's, it goes back to what we were saying before, Leo. I think when comedy allows for a moderation between um, these kind of views, and like you said, if people are made, I mean, you can remain ignorant and woke as well. And if you create an echo chamber which only speaks to a quasi-liberal or left narrative then, you know, this allows for a vacuum for more extreme examples of the right to kind of flourish. Yeah. And it means that there's no kind of discourse. And it's like you said with your friend, like, you know, I think there is a fine line between racism, racial rhetoric or prejudice and ig- or ignorant prejudice. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember doing, I did a show in Salford and uh, I remember a guy afterwards had came over to congratulate me for my set and, um, you know, referred to one of his cousins as coloured. Now, you know, that is a term that's seen as very pejorative in the UK, but... If this this guy came up to congratulate me and offered to buy me a drink, I feel like if he doesn't have the correct nomenclature, that's not an indication yeah. that he necessarily doesn't respect me as a person. And I feel like and this this is one of the things that woke people do they they change the terms because you know coloured used to be the acceptable term it was the term you're supposed to use you know back in the day and then it changed. It's, still, it's still acceptable in South Africa as well in South Africa right. people still use the term coloured and and you know that that's that refers to people of dual ancestry so it's it's even then like the terms change all the time yeah and. So, I, and I, I can understand why the terms change and I, and I appreciate terms changing and I, don't, and I think it's a good thing. But at the same time, people who aren't as savvy to the terms yeah. or maybe use an archaic term shouldn't be immediately dismissed as being racist or being immediately dismissed yeah, as being... Let me, let, me, let me chime in with a fucking good example of this, right? Um, I'm a Jew, right? You can say the word Jew... Unless you put the word fucking before it, I'm probably not going to get upset. <laughs> however, however... Unless, right? unless you fucking. <laughs> however, the amount of people who don't know that the word yid is the equivalent or in a ballpark of uh, racial slurs... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's astonishing. You know, partly football has facilitated yeah. that because of the, the Tottenham yeah, thing. Yeah. But the uh, idea that if, you know, if someone said that word to me, I would obviously just say to them, hey, just so you know, like, that's kind of an offensive word. If their response was, no, it's not, <laughs> I think they're a dick. <laughs> right? Whereas if they turn around and go, oh, shit, really? And I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to even say the words that <laughs> would be associated with it. But if you're writing a list, it's on the yeah. list. Um and that's and, and an example where, you know, if someone said that, I wouldn't be like, well, that's the worst person I've ever come up. I'm never speaking to that person yeah. again because they ha- they didn't know that was an offensive word. Yeah, whereas a lot of woke people would take that attitude. They'd be like, oh, my God, this person. Oh, my God, they've, they've, broken, they've broken the woke law. They must be cancelled. They must be banned. You know what I mean? And what, what I find ta- talking it, about anti-Semitism, because, um, you know, obviously it's intrinsically linked with Israel, but I find, you know, people criticize Israel and they say well I'm just criticizing Israel so I'm not being anti-semitic and a lot of woke people say I'm just criticizing Israel I'm not being anti-semitic and it's like well why are you singling out Israel what is it particular what is it that's particular about Israel in the whole you know in that area there's a lot of countries with you know worse human rights abuses so I was about to say, does, their neighbours ain't exactly fucking winning awards. For pe- you know, Jesus Christ, ask Khashoggi. Do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's why, you know, I'll challenge anyone, I'll challenge anyone to an Israel conversation on this podcast or anywhere they like because I, I'm not pro-Israel because Jesus Christ, have you seen Netanyahu and the way they fucking behave? It's disgraceful. And I would never, I would never be a supporter of that. But this blind 
you know, I was talking about the agenda earlier, right? This illogical agenda yeah. is just, well, I can't tolerate it. Yeah. And also, and Israel, um, I guess, as a human exercise, is a clear demonstration that pronounced political disposition and humanitarian beliefs aren't always the same thing because there are people who are pro-Israel but pro-human rights and people that would who would be based in Israel and argue for the existence of Israel as a state but would also argue for the human rights of Palestinians. Yeah. It's not as cut and dry as that every single Jewish person living in Israel is pro-Zionist and doesn't give a shit about yeah. the uh, yeah. West Bank and it's not a given that every single... Well, you know, a lot of the... Uh, more traditional, uh, I guess, orthodox Muslim ideologues who speak about Israel give a shit about all um, Muslims. Because, you know, exactly. there, are, there are some Muslims, I think, because are Palestinian Shia Muslims, if I'm not mistaken? Quite, I think you're right, but, yeah. A little but, you know, percentage. But yeah, but, I mean, you know, for, for, for Shia Muslims that were based in Palestine or uh, in Jordan uh, or maybe Iran or, you know, the minority based in Iraq would not be tribally or culturally supported by a lot of the superpowers based in these nations who do oppose the state of Israel. So it all comes down mm. to like, none of these things are always going to be clear cut. And yeah. the more we try and contextualize human perspective in these binary ways where I'm this and therefore I can't be this, yeah. it, it's never going to work. It's like, for example, I, I'm, working. I'm not a monarchist. My parents are immigrants, you know, immigrant, uh, you know, the monarchy among many other elites in the UK would have benefited from chattel slavery. So my mother was actually sad when Princess Diana died and she was just sad when Prince Philip died. And I was like, what? But, you know, <laughs> she, said she was like, well, he's an old man and he has a family and blah, blah. So maybe she's been able to, like, you know, look past all of the pre-existing uh, stature and titles that precede. Mm. And she's looking at a human being, an old man who's a father and a grandfather, a great-grandfather that's, uh, you know, no longer been away with yeah. his family. So yeah, I, I don't believe that, by the way. But, you know, people are, are very, very <laughs> different in that respect. So we... um. We sadly have have run out of time today, but Leah, I can tell you that that, that when as as this podcast continues, hopefully for many years, you'll be back on. Hopefully, as a member of parliament, uh, <laughs> well, member of the Scottish Parliament. So, so yeah, if anybody's yeah, if anybody's no, listening yeah. and they're in Glasgow and registered to vote, you can vote for me. Anyone in Glasgow can vote for me. I'm on the Glasgow list, and I, I don't even need to win. I just need to get you know a few percent of the vote, and it'll, it'll be a message that we need to roll back the hate crime hate crime law. And that would be a brilliant message oh, to send and to that, the and SNP. That, and that should, and sorry, sorry to interrupt you, really, because I, I think that's a great way to answer the question as well. Is that why artists and we should be concerned with politics? Is because if we don't pay attention to it, both as human beings and citizens, is that we may find our own livelihoods being challenged right now. So you yeah. know, despite a lot of uh, Leo's political pledges, I don't agree with. I completely support and champion the idea that you are fighting for against this bill that will basically oh, yeah. usher in an Orwellian style of monitoring for artists and creatives. Yeah, absolutely. It's um Fuck Lawrence Foster. I'm telling him I said that. He's <laughs> <laughs> a great guy. He's so misunderstood. He's so misunderstood. Listen, Leo, make it happen. Bring him on the podcast. We'll happily have him, Dane, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um tell Lawrence I'm sorry for the things I've said on Twitter. I'm happy to have an open dialogue. I'm open to have a open dialogue on I'm open to have an open dialogue on my podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're if, here if for. Up, we, we, we are... I will wind my neck in and I will apologize for my But we we, we can comments. do it. We can do it. It, it. We can we can talk to people who don't uh, you know, we don't all have to be the same yeah. but the, and today in some ways has proved that Leo. I hope you've enjoyed uh, and not felt, you know, that we're uh, the kind of people that you don't want to talk no, to. No, it's great. I mean, it's great to uh, speak to, to open minds, you know, no matter where they're on the political spectrum, it's great to, to talk to you. And I, think, I think, and I think that is going to be the key for the next stage of human consciousness that we're going to need to learn to talk to oh, each yeah. other, guys, because it's what your mouth's for, mate. So, but again, Leo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and please uh, let listeners know where else they can find your good works. Thanks, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Leo Kers and I'm on YouTube, uh, if you search for Leo Kers, uh, so I upload you know, comedy videos every week or two. Well, we're gonna we're gonna share a few because some of them are right up. <laughs> if you're a fan of some, if you're a fan of some of Dane's more uh, cutting uh, and controversial <laughs> comedy, you will love some of what Leo does. I'd say because uh, I wouldn't say they're linked, but they they, they stand their ground uh, in in a, in, a, in a very special way. Uh, a couple of the videos, particularly, I think our audiences will enjoy. Brilliant. Um, well, listen. Thanks again, Leo. It's been great. Thank yeah, you. really good, Leo, man. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm following the podcast as well, man. So keep it up, man. It's really good, man. Really Thanks, nice. man. Cheers.
You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Leo Curse. You can follow Leo on Twitter at Leo Curse. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.